inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's confusing out there. Uh, it's uh, This world looks crazy. This country looks like a foreign land. Uh, from, some of you might feel like a sojourner in a strange land, and uh, that's why I'm here for this hour of power. I'm here to uh, to get you grounded, to get you focused, to get your mind right, to get your heart engaged, uh, because we cannot control what's going on around us, but we have absolute control over what's going on inside of us. And today, I want to remind us that people are watching. No, I'm not talking about the deep state. No, I'm not talking about Joe Biden's progressive America that wants you to have a vax card and show papers to go anywhere. I'm not talking about that type of watching. But people are using us as an example of what they would love to be like or never be like. Right? We're all role models. People are watching us and say, hey, that's the type of person I would want to be. Or they're watching us say, man, I would never want to be like that person. I was talking to a lady yesterday, and she uh, she has a problem with Christians. Now, she kind of claims to be a Christian, uh, but, man, she's uh, she worked for a church. She worked for a Catholic church, and she is so turned off uh, by what she saw in, in other Christians that she wants nothing to do with Christianity. As a matter of fact, she's avoided taking my training because she knows I'm a Christian. I talk about God a lot. And yesterday we had a chance to talk uh, and alleviated that fear, and I understood what she was talking about. It was Billy Graham told that Christians do more to scare people away from God than any of the wiles of the devil. And think about this. You've all heard the statement, a picture's worth a thousand words. So we have to ask ourselves, what story do our actions tell? Are people using us as a role model of what they want to be like? Or are they using us as an example of what they never want to be like? And so today I want to unpack, matter of fact, I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, you know, today's date, uh, if this is a live show and it is, uh, is 222022. <laughs> did he just say 2-2? He did say 2 didn't he? Yep. Uh, it is the most twos uh, in our date ever, unless we're going to see a 2222, right? Otherwise, the most twos we'll ever have. Uh, and today I want to kind of start that and launch that because today I want to talk about can I get a witness? Amen. You know, uh, it, it's fascinating. You know, uh, the the number of the witness is actually a number two. You know, in the Bible, uh, one thing I love about the Bible is there's so much hidden stuff in there. There's something called typology. Uh, you know, biblical typology is a method of biblical interpretation whereby an element found in the Old Testament is seen to prefigure one found in the New Testament. Uh, so the initial one's called the type, and the fulfillment is designated the, the anti-type. Uh, and Typo, uh, typological interpretation is what it's called. Specifically, the interpretation of the Old Testament based on the fundamental theological unity of the two testaments, whereby
by something the old shadows prefigures, uh, adumbrates something in the new. Hence, what is interpreted in the old is not foreign or peculiar or hidden, but arises naturally out of the text. Okay, just want to make sure you understand that. So within that field of typology is something called numerology. Now, I'm not talking about astrology. I'm not talking about paganism. Please don't stretch it out there, okay? Biblically, biblical numerology 101, the meaning of numbers in the Bible, because there's a lot of hidden meaning throughout the Bible. That's what I love about it. It's like uh, deciphering a love letter from your, from your lover. You know, that's what's so cool about the Bible. So as in case in all things on God's green earth, there are numbers in the Bible that carry hidden, long-held biblical meanings. Now, when I cover this, I want you to know that I'm setting a foundation here. That's not what the whole radio show is but I just want you to get what today's date means. See, it's important at the outset that we make it very clear that while God did inspire the use of specific numbers for symbolic reasons, we have to be careful not to place too much emphasis on numbers. Uh, this can lead to uh, bad theology, fringe eschatology, mystical ideas, paganism. So please hear that. And, and Scripture forbids and condemns all such divinatory practices. Read Deuteronomy 18. Uh, talk, uh, talks about a lot of things. Witchcraft. Witchcraft is... It's terrible. So please know this. I'm not putting overly amount of money, but it's interesting to see God uses the same numbers at different points to add meaning, layers of meaning. Like the number one, the number one in the Bible, you see it a lot, symbolizes unity, absolute singleness, right? In, in Deuteronomy 6, God said, the Lord your God is one, right? Um, the number three, and I'll come back to number two because that's what we're going to hit today. Number three represents tri-unity completeness, right? The, the, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, you got the unholy trinity, uh, you know, the Antichrist, uh, the false prophet, and the beast, right? So you can go through that. Uh, the number four is interesting. The number four, uh, and a lot of people aren't aware of it, is really about God's creative work. You know, there's four corners of the earth. There's four kingdoms mentioned in Daniel's prophecy, right? You have the Babylonian. Uh, you have the, uh, um, the um, geez, what is the other? I can't think of the other one. The, um, the Iranians. And then you had uh, the one that comes, Medo-Persian. Thank you, Medo-Persian. Empire, and then you had the Greco-Roman Empire, the Greek Roman Empire, which is uh, Alexander the Great, and then you had the Roman Empire. There's the four. Those are the four great uh, um, kingdoms, if you will. You have four seasons, right? Four seasons, four primary directions. You hear it, all right? So number six, you should know that, uh, is the number of man, right? On the sixth day, man was created. Uh, actually, on the sixth day, uh, mankind was created by God. The number 666 is a number of the beast. Uh, so the number six, the number seven, by the way, is considered holy. The holiest numbers in Christianity it symbolizes completeness, balance, right? Uh, matter of fact, uh, in the Revelation study, God, I'm studying Revelation right now, the symbolic meaning for the numbers in the Bible. Uh, in the book of Revelation, three means God, four means creation, seven means perfection, ten means completeness, and so forth. And the number seven, just so you know, occurs in Revelation 57 times. Describes 22 different things. But today, I want to focus on the number two, just the beginning, because the number two represents the duality that's consistent with both flesh and spirit. The number symbolizes the comparison and contrast between two things, but shows the union of sides as well. The Bible has the number two as the number of the witness. And let me suggest that that's what we're going to talk about today, because people are watching. They're always watching. And what you got to figure out is what are they seeing? Because a picture's worth a thousand words. 
And the typical human being speaks at 120 to 150 words per minute. I get to 180. So you got to figure this, that at 1,000 words, one picture of disrespect, one picture of love, one picture of whatever is more powerful than six to eight minutes of nonstop dialogue. And so when people are watching you, what are they seeing? See, that's what they're going to remember. We put a lot of power in the visual field, a lot. What you're doing speaks so loudly that people aren't listening to words you're saying. Why do you think people don't listen to us? Because they're so busy watching because a picture's worth a thousand words. And so today, let's talk about the witness. Are you living your life in a way that you understand that people are watching, your kids are watching? A witness is a person who sees an event, typically a crime or accident, take place. What people are, what are people witnessing in your life? Crimes, accidents, mistakes, a lack of love? It's evidence proof, right? It's to see an event take place. A witness is to have knowledge of an event from personal observation or experience. And today the question is this, what are the witnesses in your life seeing? And are they seeing things that make them want to be a better person? Or are they seeing things that justify it's okay to do what they're doing? What's going on in America today is we're giving people the wrong picture. We're teaching our kids how to be afraid of each other. We're teaching people of color that you have lower values than everybody else because you're not good enough to compete on your own. Where the picture we're sending is not a good picture. And today, we're going to stop, slow down, and take a look at our lives and ask the question, can I get a witness? I'm Black, and we'll be right back. I feel like I'm talking a little faster, but it's very hard to tell. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Can I get a witness from the congregation? Yes, you can. That's what I'm asking today on Like It Matters Radio. This is the Black Man. And today we are asking, can I get a witness? Ladies and gentlemen, people are always watching. You know, I I learned this a long time ago. You know, I'm here to help you move yourself in a positive direction. The outcome at likeitmatters.net, my training company, is to help people maximize the potentials they were created with. And so part of my goal, my purpose, is to teach you how you work. And there's something called neuroassociative conditioning. It is basically the, the base driver. You can get to all kinds of different things. But when you meta it down uh, to the least common denominator, there are technically two driving forces in life. There's the desire for pleasure. And there's the avoidance of pain. 
uh, either hedonistic or what's the other one? Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know what they call it, uh, into being a being the abuse part, right? But that's it. You're either moving towards something or you're moving away from something. You know, I was a single dad for a long time in my life. And when I was raising my two older kids, Faith and Christian, uh, being a dad was really important. I wanted to be a good dad, not an abusive father like my father. I wanted to be a present father, not an absent father like my father. I wanted to be a Christian father, not a pagan father like my father. So my father gave me a lot of examples of what I would never want to be like. So I was moving away. See, in there, my neurosocial conditioning was not moving towards being the best version of me. What I was doing, actually, in the process, still wanting to become the best version of me, but I was using a going away from motivation that I wanted to be for my kids the father that I never had. And so when I was out with my kids, I've taught my kids respect. My kids have drive. My kids are self-starters. Uh, my kids know they're here for a bigger purpose. My kids know they're not here taking up space. My kids know that they're not here to be happy. My kids know that everything that is theirs is God's because it's all his. My kids know that our purpose on this planet is to help people. So my kids know all that because they've seen me do that for 30 years. Well, uh, my daughter, Faith, is 26, so she's seen me do it for 26 years. My son, Christian, is 22, so he's seen me do it for 22 years. They've staffed with me. Uh, they've lived in a house where I've had my classes. They've grown up around people seeing me lead classes, people coming up to them, telling them how I changed their life, people telling them the tens of thousands of people I've impacted. So this is the picture that my kids have seen. And then what they see, they either want to be like that and they move in that direction or they would do anything but be like that and they'll move in the opposite direction. Trust me, I deal with this a lot with kids. One thing I've heard in my class uh, more than anything else is I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to be like my father. And I live my life in such a way that I want my kids when they get to a class like mine to say, I want to be like my daddy. And my son, Christian, and he doesn't know I know this if he's listening. Thanks, but I'm winking at him right now. Uh, staffed my class. He never went through it because he's, uh, 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 you know, it wouldn't be fair to him to go through with me as his dad and the master trainer. So he staffed uh, now twice. And this last class he staffed and there was an odd number of people. And so he had to participate. He got to participate. And he's never done the class. And so one of our processes near the end of the night, uh, we catch people off guard and we have them uh, visualize some things I'm working on their unconscious mind. And in the process, says after we're done with that, I take them on a journey uh, and have them consider who's the best possible version, uh, the best possible leader in their life. And I have them like, take a look at their life and consider all the people that have poured into them and all the people that have helped them become who they are. And of all those people, a teacher, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, a friend, uh, a celebrity, a personality, whatever, that one person in your life that you believe have had more of an impact than anybody else. And so my son did that process. I, I let him, he was leftovers, we call it leftovers. And uh, after they do the, the process and they have some interaction uh, with another person, they, they go to their chair in silence and they write out, I give them four, uh, three questions to answer about this person. And the first question being, what are the characteristics you most admire about this person? And we have them share that. So anyways, my son did that activity. Uh, and then uh, when they were done when they were writing, he went back to the staff table in the back of the room, uh, and then he wrote out on his sheet of paper, just like the students were doing, because he'd never done it before, and I, it was private, personal, I didn't see it. But my wife, Alice, Ms. Black, came up to me a couple of days ago and said, by the way, 
I, I know you didn't know this uh, because I personally didn't want to notice. I didn't want to put any pressure on my son. I was always hoping that my kids went to a class like mine and they were posed the question, who's the leader in life, that it would be me. But who knows? And so my wife said, uh, I saw his paper and it's you. You're the leader in his life. You're the one that he admires. Right on. You're the one that's his example. Uh, and uh, I get emotional right now even talking about it because I've made a lot of mistakes as a dad. Uh, I worked hard to be a good dad, but I made a lot of mistakes. And again, my motivation was moving away from the father I had to give my kids the antithesis of that. And so when I was out and about with my kids when they were younger, a very, I, I, I ruled with a heavy hand. I mean, I controlled everything, didn't let my kids date, didn't let my kids go over anybody's house. Everybody was welcome to my house. I wasn't mean, uh, but I was protective. And so I, when we'd go out and I'd see other kids acting up, I'd lean over and get both of my kids' attention and point at the kids acting up. And I'd say, if you ever act like that, I'll, and my daughter Faith, the oldest, wouldn't even let me finish the sentence. It was so uncomfortable. She goes, I know, Dad. I know. And today, my daughter uh, lived at home until she was 18. Uh, 18, she had just graduated from high school. She got herself registered, did all the financial aid work, all that, uh, for University of North Texas. She moved out of my house into a dorm. Uh, in four years of moving out of my house, in two and a half years, I think it was, she got her four-year degree. Uh, and then in the year and a half after that, she got her master's degree. So in four years, which she got all funded for, all paid for, all everything, uh, she got her ma uh, college degree, her master's degree, and, and got a, an incredible job with full benefits, everything, making more money than I make, more financially stable than I make. She met her boyfriend uh, at uh, registration when they went their freshman year, who she knew from church. They started dating. They got engaged. Uh, her first boyfriend. Uh, they are now married. They've been married for three years, uh, and he is getting ready. He's in residency to be a doctor. And so I was raised in an abusive home, alcoholic father, white trash. We were the only white people in the projects. Uh, we had no relationship with God. There was no hope. I walked to school for two miles, depressed, in tears, uh, chewing out God, wondering, what did I do to you, God? Did I piss in your Cheerios? I mean, God's a big God. He can handle it. But what God was showing me was how to take my pain and use it for a good purpose. And one point I had a conversation with God, and he said, when you're ready to use all this pain you've been through to stop feeling sorry for yourself, to stop letting it make you bitter and start using it to make you better, when you're ready for that, you let me know, because then we can change tens of thousands of people's lives. And that's what we're doing now. And that's what my kids are doing. You know why? Because children learn from what they see. It's a great saying I found years ago. I read it all the time. It's submitted uh, by the former uh, Emmonstenberg mayor, Ed. Uh, that's all I got on it. I don't know who Ed is. But it says, it's called, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator, and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and, and I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I knew that there is a God, and I could always talk to Him, and I learned to trust in Him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick, 
and I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give of your time and your money to help people who had nothing, and I learned that those who have something should give to those who don't. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it, and I learned we have, we have to take care of what we are given to be a good steward. When you thought I wasn't looking, I, I saw how you handled your responsibilities. Even when you didn't feel like it, didn't feel good. And I learned that I would have to be responsible as well when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes. And I learned that sometimes things hurt. But it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared. And I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I needed to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. And ladies and gentlemen, that's so powerful. A picture's worth a thousand words. Genesis 1-1, the start of the Bible. In the beginning, God created. And I always tell you to stop right there. Because our first introduction to God is as creator. And then when you drop down 25 verses, it's right there in front of you. You just have eyes to see and ears to hear. It says, let us make man in our image under our likeness. Did you hear that? Did you miss it? See, we were made in the God class. And again, I just told you, our first introduction to God is as creator. So in the God class, we were made to create. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you look at a woman lusting your eyes, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. We are creating through our thoughts, through our actions. We are creating through our hands and our feet. We are creating through our hearts and our minds. And people are watching. That's what the number two represents. The witness. What are people seeing? And what judgments are people making based on what they're seeing? Are you living your life in such a way that if you were to die today, that people would say great things about you, not out of pity, not out of pain, but out of proper righteousness? Because that's who you were, and that's how you showed up. I am Mr. Black. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. Today, we're posing the question, can I get a witness? We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life.
The kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. Is it true that you're going to end up in a mental institution? Not a joke. <laughs> oh, John. I am black and you're back. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we got to laugh a little bit because, man, if you share the belief system I do and that John does and most people listen to this radio station, it's a sad, sad time right now. Uh, America has become something that is unrecognizable. And I have, I have friends normal. in Brazil and in China and in Russia. And I'm working at a couple of people here from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And it's kind of hard because the America that we've idolized, the America that they have dreamed about, no longer exists. Uh, and so it's kind of hard for me to get real passionate about it. America who's moved away from God, America now who's openly racist. I just never thought uh, that once we were racist in the past, we would never get racist. Again, and now we're we're racist, and it's okay as long as it's the right type of racism, as long as it's black people racist against white people, it's okay. Uh, but man, or 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 uh, you know, homosexual people racist against cisgender people, uh, it's stunning. And you know, that's one thing we got to realize: we got to know who we are and whose we are and why we're here. Those are existential questions. You know, we are supposed to be in this world, uh, but not of this world. Again, it's the chocolate chip and the chocolate chip cookie. I love Zert. And by the way, I got a text number. Yes, I'm doing great on my diet. I went off on Sunday for one day because my kid's birthday party had some cake and all that. But uh, one day since December 26th, uh, and I'm down uh, close to 25 pounds. Close to 25 pounds. I got another 75 to lose. Uh, But so I am making progress so thank you i appreciate uh, you asking but you know um it doesn't matter what happens out there what matters is happen what's in here right you know that right it's all about prepositions you know it's not about who died with covid it's about who died from covid you know it's preposition uh because the numbers were massively inflated i said this go back and listen to the radio show two years ago i told you that they were going to have to inflate this number get it so big to justify the destruction of what they've done uh and now now we're being told now we're being told that uh, shutting everything down, staying in place did absolutely nothing to affect the spread of COVID. What? It's being said now. Remember before we said that uh, we'd get banned from Facebook uh, because they didn't want you to break the narrative that uh, you need fear and you need Biden, you need the government. And so now we're told that even in New York, 40 percent of COVID deaths weren't COVID, they're saying. But boy, when they wanted to scare you and get you to mail in millions of votes uh, for Biden, uh, they wanted to make sure you knew COVID was going to kill you. Now that they want to get the economy back going so they get credit for it, so they can retain their power and let in millions of people through the southern border. Now they want you to get off the fear. And now you're too stuck on fear. Uh, It kind of bites them in the butt. But it reminds me of a donkey. You got to be smarter than a donkey. You know, we know the story. You know, this old, uh, this farmer had an old donkey uh, and stumbled along, going half blind, and he's walking around. The animal really had no use at all, uh, and he's not paying attention and stumbles into an old well. Now, here's the thing. The well was as old as the donkey and as useless as the donkey. So now they've got this old donkey, useless donkey, in an old, dried-up well, useless well. And you got an old man who's listening to this donkey bray in a well, crying for help. Uh, it, he can't get it out. The, the, the animal has no value to it all. The well has no value at all. So he's in a quagmire, kind of like in America today, if you're conservative, right? If you're a Christian. In America Day, you're in the same quagmire as that farmer with a useless donkey in a useless well. 
And so we had to figure out what to do. We couldn't let the animal slowly starve to death, so we might as well put it out of its misery. So it didn't have a, the guy didn't have a gun or anything, right? And so he invited some neighbors over, so let's just bury the animal alive. At least put him out of his misery, kill him, uh, and not listen to the brain. So they got shovels, and, they, and they'd each you know, big, big shovel, and they'd toss it in there, and they'd slam on the donkey's back. Uh, and the donkey would shake it off and then step up. And then they'd throw in another shovel, four or five, six shovelfuls. They'd hit the donkey on the back. He'd shake it off. And each time he'd shake it off, he was raising the ground level. Because they're going to four, five, six shovels at a time. You know, that's a couple inches uh, of height every time he did it. So every time the donkey gets stuff thrown on him that he couldn't control, he would just shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. And after a while, this, guess what happened? The dirt level in the well, uh, well, so much that the donkey could then just jump out of the well. It had raised the level. And that's how we got to be. The good book says, it's Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, a righteous man will stumble seven times, but get back up. Notice the number seven again. But the wicked will stumble into ruin. Right? The number seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. Right? There are seven days in the week. There are seven colors in the rainbow. There are seven scales in the musical scales. There are seven days in a week. Don't you hear it? Yeah. It's the number of completeness. Number eight is the number represents hope, new beginnings. The number eight represents Jesus Christ always, right? God spoke eight words to start creation. Jesus chose the eighth day after his death to resurrect it's interesting. I got this. I don't know what that says. I would disagree with that. I just read that. Uh, number nine, uh, in order to save humanity, Jesus died at 3 p.m., which is three, the ninth hour, which is three times three. Fascinating. The number 11. The number 11 is the opposite of number 10. Number 10 uh, conveys the idea of perfection and harmony, right? There were 10 commandments, right? You see how that works? Again, and then number 11 is the opposite. 11 means disorder, chaos, judgment. Number 12, it references government, right? There were 12 tribes, right? 12 months, get it? The number 13 is the opposite of that. The number 13 is linked to, with Nimrod, who was the 13th in Ham's succession line. Uh, and the number 13 is associated with human actions, favored by evil, implies chaos and rebellion. The number two is the number of the witness. And today... It's February 2nd, 2022. I think it's a powerful message to what are people noticing. And look, it's Black History Month. Black History Month. Uh, to where I think the best, best picture until the last couple of years of what represented the civil rights movement was the picture of Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, the picture of his of his famous speech uh, in Washington D.C. with I don't know hundreds of thousands million people lined up. You know that famous speech where he said, "I have a dream." Uh, uh, John, why don't you play a little clip of that for him? I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. Yeah. I have a dream. Amen. That one day on the red hills of Georgia. Amen. Now get this. That's called a vision. Dr. King had a dream. We call that a vision. Notice the picture. A picture's worth a thousand words. A vision will stir you up. Look at what Dr. King went through. What Dr. King went through, what we saw him, the march in Selma. 
the pain, the agony, and seeing people of color being water hosed and being beaten on because they were peaceful protesting. It's stunning. Dr. King is a great picture. And you know why he had such a passion, such a dream? Because he had a vision from the Lord. If you read that speech, if you listen to that speech in every year, and this year in February, I'll do the same thing. I will go through the entire speech because his dream was because he got a vision from God. See, he could see clearly now. He could see clearly now. Don't you hear it? That's what a vision is, the ability to see. See, that's what giving someone an example is. Leadership is a loop. It's permission, it's example, and it's culture. See, Dr. King talked about this. This is a quote from a speech. But there's something that I must say to my people. This is right in the middle of his famous speech. This is part of it. But there's something I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold, which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. And you look at BLM and the racism, and this is BLM week in schools around there. We're teaching our kids to be politically active in a negative way. We're teaching them that black people are victims and that we should separate black and white and that white people are persecutors. We are teaching the opposite of Dr. King. CRT is something Dr. King would rail against, just like a lot of his family members do. Dr. King was a conservative. Dr. King's dad was a Republican. Uh, I mean, the first 13 elected members of Congress were all Republicans. It was, it was Abraham Lincoln who freed the slaves. The big lie out there is that somehow the Democratic Party is the home uh, for black people. It's a plantation. And there were a lot of black people when they were still slaves that would work with their white slave owners and basically betray their black people. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's what BLM is doing. See, Dr. King said, we must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. There's none of that BLM. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. That's the, exactly what BLM does. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. There's no Jesus in BLM. They don't want no capitalism. They want no God. They want no men. They want no nuclear family. They want Marxism. Some of you guys are buying in lies, and some of you guys call yourself Christians, and you're buying in the lies of the enemy. You're, you're listening to things that tickle your ears. Of false prophets. Dr. King said it clearly. You cannot drive out darkness with darkness. Only light can do that. You cannot drive out hatred with hatred. Only love can do that. And I saw the picture and it ripped my heart out. This shows you the pictures of a thousand words. This shows you that we need better witnesses, uh, examples. I saw a five year old girl last year. She was at a BLM march. Uh, riot, we call them, because that's what they are, where people are burning down things and destroying things and killing people. We call those riots, not just January 6th with white people at the Capitol, but anybody doing that, right? And this five-year-old girl, is a picture of her going up to a cop and asking that police officer if he was going to kill her. See, that's the picture that this little girl is getting from her mommy and daddy or her mommy and all her mommy's boyfriends, whatever it is, that cops are bad, white people evil, and that black people are being gunned down and being destroyed. Boy, a picture's worth a thousand words. What kind of child are we turning that five-year-old into? I am black, and today I'm asking the question, can I get a witness? We'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. 
because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. The crisis is only deepening. It's not getting better, it's deepening. This man was alive when the KKK was burning crosses and killing black folks at random, at w- and he said nothing. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. And man, Jason Whitlock, what a great man. What a great human being who happens to have black skin. But he tells it like it is. And ladies and gentlemen, open your eyes. The Bible says you have eyes to see but do not see, have ears to hear but do not hear. You've got to stop allowing these Democrats, progressives, to be so racist. you got to stand up to it. A lot of you are, are weak in that. Uh, because you're white, you think you can't say anything? Or because maybe you've been racist in the past, you can't say anything? It's oh, okay. don't say Those that. are past things. But if you look at the Republican Party and all the black people, look at Miss Sears. And, and then the Democrats and progressives have to attack these black people like Clarence Thomas for not being black. Clarence, you can't get blacker than Clarence Thomas. I love Clarence Thomas. You know, my good friend Adrian Lyles with the pool movement. He'll be joining us this week. Beautiful man who just happens to have a dark black skin, but he's a friend of mine. I got three orphanages in Africa. I, I keep 130 children alive every single month and mentor their three uh, um, administrators. And guess what? They're all black in Uganda. Yeah, they are. I'm doing the Biden thing. I'm doing the whispering, right? I just got this thing. There's a great guy running for governor, Richard Irvin, uh, in Illinois. He's a black uh, Republican, and he's, he said this to me. He sent me this text. He said, my great-grandfather was among the first slaves in America to be freed because of Abraham Lincoln after the Civil War. He saw his life change dramatically, and it proved to him anything was possible. My family's values of hard work, perseverance, and the firm belief that anyone can make a name for themselves in this country what is what got me here today he says i'm running not only to restore the american dream in illinois but to honor my great-grandfather's legacy and to prove to people that no matter what your race or your gender anything in this country is possible if you're willing to work hard not complain more not to up your victim status but to work hard that's what people need to see there are more wealthy black people than ever you want to see what systematic racism is look at Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is where the government, see the government, right? 92% of the residents of Washington, D.C. are registered Democrats. 92%. Look it up. There's your systemic racism. There's the deep state. These aren't elected officials. These are people that are going to make more when they retire than when they live. They're going to have full benefits. They're making six figures, and they'll make six figures plus for the rest of their life until they're dead, and with full benefits, with full retirement, with everything. These are government employees who are the government. You want the government to have as much money as you want. So you got to realize that picture means a lot. We got to open our eyes. I mean, look how God spoke to the prophets of old, right? Through pictures. Joseph, Isaiah, um, uh, Ezekiel, John, Jeremiah, Daniel, right? 
We got to realize the power of pictures and your unconscious mind. Uh, it is a multidimensional abacus. There is so much meaning. There's called. There's a book called Tell Me a Story. Uh, it's how the brain processes story. And similar to pictures, it's a multidimensional belief system. There's so much within a picture. And that's why one of the things I do when I'm working on people and to have them overcome barriers, I always do this. Uh, this is one of the questions I ask when they're breaking through and cleaning themselves up. What are people going to notice about you differently next week? See, asking that question causes them to visualize into the future what they're going to look like, what they're going to sound like, what they're going to feel like. Now, why does that matter? Because this is the key to setting your goals. See, there are three steps to becoming your dream. Want it, create it, live it. And this is how it works. Keep it simple, soldier. You don't need to know 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. You don't need to know seven or eight or nine habits of highly effective people. Uh, You just need to know that there are three things to be your dreams. Want it, create it, live it. And want it's about desire. You got to want it so bad. You got to be emotionally involved. That's the problem with a lot of people. They do their best to detach emotionally. And here's the problem. Emotion is where it's at. Why do you think the Democrats want to get you angry? Why do they think the Democrats got to tell uh, black people that if they don't pass this voting bill, which is going to basically give control of all voting to federal government, which will guarantee all mail-in ballots, uh, no ID can be required, no signature needed. So millions of ballots will come in with someone's name on it that aren't verified. We don't know if that person ever got it, if they filled it out, but they're going to count all these ballots. That's what the bill is going to be. And so just like Joe Biden got more votes than anybody, the worst president ever, doesn't inspire anybody. The same thing. Every Democrat now will get more votes than ever gotten because they're all going to be mail-in. There'll be no custody of chain with the with your ballots. So they're telling you that if that doesn't pass. We've been voting for 200 years. But if they don't do this now, that black people will not be able to vote. Do you see they want to get you mad and angry? And most people don't think for themselves. So you buy and lie. You listen to your master, the plantain master, uh, the plantation. Go, oh, yeah, he's looking out for your best. He's always giving you enough food to live. Never enough to get you off the plantation, but always enough to live. So you got to have desire. Because, man, if you don't have desire, and a lot of people don't have desire, so what, what people do is they manipulate manipulate them to get angry because anger is a powerful emotion and look at the study university of washington i think it was 20 years ago said that angry people will stand in line for hours to vote angry people will do whatever you want them do to change things and so if you can get them angry enough that's why every two years the lies been there's been a war on women the war's been on men like sean penn said we've become these weak little uh creatures uh, very effeminate, a very, uh, you know, uh, Barack Obama-ish, very feminine, very soft. Uh, masculine men is outlawed. John Wayne's outlawed. The Marble Man's outlawed. Donald Trump's outlawed, banned, never, right? Because white men's bad enough, but white men, uh, that man have testosterone? Whoa, cut that out. Get rid of it. It's, you know, it's toxic. You got to kill all that toxicity, right? The only d- drug that's illegal on a college campus is testosterone. So you got to have some desire. So once you know what you want, there's desire, there's creative discontent. The second thing to be your dreams is create it. Now, this is the important part. Because if you don't believe something's real, you won't fight for it. Would you give your life for a lie? No. Would you? Think about it. Would you, if someone says they love you, but you do not believe they love you. Matter of fact, you know without a doubt that they don't love you. But they say they love you. Do you feel loved? Of course not. not. Do it. 
Right. Even though they do love you, they could love you because you don't believe it. You won't allow it. See, a picture's worth a thousand words and what you have in your head, all these pictures, all these times that they said things or did things that showed a lack of love, a non-love, and that's how you validate that they don't love you. See, you've got to make something real. So you might not like what I'm saying. You might not agree with what I'm saying. You might not like the way I'm saying it, but you cannot deny that I am real. What are the characteristics of something real, something you can see, something you can feel, something you can hear, something you might be able to smell or taste, right? The five senses. Just like, you know, Ronald Reagan's uh, giving speeches in the Reagan Library, but he's dead. And how do you know that? Because if you went up to where you see him talking and put your hand on him, it go through it because it's a hologram. It's a recording. It's smoke and mirrors. Kind of what's going on in our government right now. Just a lot of smoke and mirrors. And you got the media controlling you. Remember, the media, you give me the media, uh, Goebel said, I can make anybody, uh, any nation, a group of pigs. And the media is not part of the Democratic Party. So, like he said, we can make any group of people a nation of pigs, right? Absolutely. That's how it works. And so you've got to create it. What does that mean? Dr. Covey talked about beginning with the end in mind. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? And so it's a location, location, location issue. The best possible you is way out there somewhere in the future. And if you really want to become that person, you must project yourself in the future. Put yourself right next to that version of you. And then act as if. What does that you look like? What does that you sound like? What does that you feel like? What you're doing is you are taking an image in your mind and you're making a memory. Remember the um, Irish Journal of Medicine said that 40% of all memories are made up. Why? Because your left side of the brain is where you store things and your right side of the brain is where you create things. So you could be mentally rehearsing. You could have a dream. You could be told something over and over and over for 30 years and the imagery now is in there. And so even though you made it up, even though you dreamt about it, even though you saw it in a movie when you're six years old, it's now stored in the left side of your brain. And your unconscious mind does not differentiate between Hollywood and reality. It doesn't. And so it treats all pictures as if. And so, but once you make it real, you know what it looks like, you know what it sounds like, you know what it feels like, then it's real. Then, because it's real, if you get disappointed, you'll pick yourself up, dust yourself off, hit again. Then, if you fall short, again, you'll pick yourself up, dust yourself off, hit again. <clears throat> then, if you got people naysaying you or people telling you you can't accomplish it, because you have that picture, because you know what it looks like, because you know what it sounds like, because you know what it feels like, because it's real, you're willing to fight the good fight. Warriors. Are you willing to fight the good fight? Are your children fighting the good fight? If not, maybe because they don't have a good enough picture. Go to likeitmatters.net. Let me help you become the man or woman that you were created to be so that the witnesses, the people watching you, can then become the men or women that they were created to be. I am Mr. Black. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. Our number one goal here is to remind you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. There is not any man like him anywhere in the world. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, 
go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.